to the latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. On this edition of our podcast, I will be joined by Texas Tech head coach Chris Beard, fresh off receiving a six-year extension to 2024-25 for an average of $4.5 million a year. How about that? After a national title runner-up season, losing to Virginia in the national championship game in early April in Minnesota. Also be joined by new Arkansas head coach Eric Musselman, making the move from Nevada to Arkansas. So two very good interviews, I hope, for you. Uh, you're going to hear from Chris Beard, first national interview since receiving that contract extension. And then Musselman talking about the move out to the SEC. He was an assistant at LSU, uh, looking to build Arkansas's program back up to a national title contender. They've been very solid, though, under Mike Anderson. Uh, we had Mike Anderson last week on a Skype session on NCAA.com in March Madness. You can check that out. Uh, also this week, talk to Baylor's Tristan Clark. Uh, he will be uh, featured on NCAA.com in March Madness. He was a player who was leading Baylor in scoring before tearing his meniscus in his left knee, and you would have heard a lot more about him had he stayed in the Big 12, and he enters the Big 12 as one of the best players in the league going into next season once he becomes healthy. Uh, also, Posted my 11 rising stars uh, on March Madness social media accounts. Ashton Hagen's back for Kentucky. Uh, Aaron Henry back for Michigan State. Uh, Kia Clark for Virginia, who had one of the best passes, I think, in NCAA history to help uh, tie Purdue uh, and send that game to regulation, the Elite Eight, as Virginia won that game and ultimately the national championship. Corey Kispert, one of the few Zag players that didn't declare for the NBA draft. McKinley Wright. From Colorado, he could end up being one of the best players in the Pac-12 next season. Kyler Edwards from Texas Tech. We'll hear Chris Beard talk about Edwards, among others. Uh, And then some other random guys that you may not have heard of. David Collins from South Florida. They had a really good win winning the CBI. They could be a factor in the Americans. Jermaine Samuels from Villanova could be his time to take that baton. Uh, And then sort of off the beaten path, if you will, Kyle Lofton from St. Bonaventure. They ended up reaching the 8-10 title game uh, before losing that to St. Louis. Bryce Aiken from Harvard. I think they could be a really good team next season out of the Ivy League. And then keeping it in the lower level, Steph Smith from Vermont, depending on what happens with Anthony Lamb, if he decides to stay in the NBA draft uh, out of the America East, Vermont will once again be the favorite uh, in the America East. There's so many guys that declared for the NBA draft. Uh, I will be in Chicago for the draft combine. We'll be talking to some of those players, those that may have a chance to come back. Uh, They can sign with an agent and get advice. Uh, but they've got till the end of May to make that decision whether or not they're going to return to school, unless they've made it clear that they are going to stay in the NBA draft like Kyle Guy did from Virginia, uh, which was a little surprising uh, only because I wouldn't say he's a lock for the first round. But look, uh, I don't blame him. He wins a national championship after everything he went through, where you uh, lose to UMBC and then a year later you win the national championship. I mean, that is very difficult to you know, have an encore after that. And so for players on Virginia, uh, Ty Jerome likely will do the same. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, of course. So if they lose all three of those guys, no one should be shocked because it's hard to duplicate what they did. There would be a natural letdown if you return when you're at that level. As for Cassius Winston, I interviewed him uh, last week. You can check out that interview on March Madness uh, platforms. Um, it just wasn't worth it to him. I mean, look, he wasn't going to be a first-round pick. He is who he is. So why not come back? Why not be that player that can win back-to-back Big Ten Player of the Year awards? 
be a national player of the year and lead Michigan State to a national championship. The lasting image of that, of what that could do for your own legacy, for the rest of your life, why not take a crack at that? Um, Because who you are as an elite basketball player, you don't know if you're an NBA player. You may believe it and you may end up being it, but why not enjoy college basketball as much as you can when you have a chance to do something as great as that? And so I love that he's returning to do that. So all those interviews are available uh, on our various social media platforms, but I want to get to my interview with Chris Beard. You can hear from him fresh off of getting a monster contract, amazing about where he came from and now what he's receiving, and it is all earned. And joining me now on March Madness 365, Texas Tech head coach Chris Beard. Now, this is not a fireside chat because this is now in my world. But, uh, Chris, uh, if I told the Chris Beard, the coach that was, I mean, we could go back to Incarnate Word. We could go back to, boy, we could go back to when you were in the ABA in South Carolina. I mean, there's a lot of different places we could go to tell that Chris Beard if in 2019-20 he would sign a six-year extension to 24-25 for $4.5 million average and put him in the top three or four of all college basketball coaches, what would that have Chris Beard told me? I don't know if I could believe that one. I, I tell the guys a lot about, you know, dreaming big, but, you know, this is obviously something that I would have never imagined. But I'm just so appreciative. I think back all the guys I've coached and all the assistant coaches we've had and all the guys that have believed in me. So uh, I think it's real, a real team victory today. You know, look, you were highly coveted, uh, as you have been the last two seasons. Why did you decide, you know what, this is the place for me. This is where I want to stay and continue to grow this program and compete for national championships. Yeah, that's a real simple answer for me. I mean, I, you know, I'm driven by one thing. That's to try to, you know, coach in that Monday night game. Uh, this year we were able to do that and came up a little short in overtime. But I believe that we can win national championships and compete on a year-in basis. The Texas Tech starts with my day-to-day relationship with Kirby Hocutt, our AD that basically supports everything we're trying to do in basketball. And just like me, dreams big and uh, thinks that we can be relative nationally year in, year out here. So I'm fortunate to be the head coach here at a place where I think we can compete at the highest level. What was your reaction from uh, your three daughters, Avery, Ella, and Margo, that uh, you're staying long-term and uh, things are going pretty, pretty well? Yeah, we've, we've been so focused on recruiting, you know, ever since that Tuesday morning when we woke up, that's been our main focus. So I haven't talked to the girls much about all this, but – I'm sure today when they get out of school and see some things, I'll be getting some calls. <laughs> All right, so let's go back uh, to that Monday night. You know, it was an unbelievable game, unbelievable way it had ended. How long did it take you, and we're still only a few weeks uh, past that, but how long did it take you to sort of process what occurred uh, on that Monday night? Yeah, really still in the process. Um, again, from a coach's standpoint, your focus just changes immediately to recruiting. You know, but I'll say this, uh, I think if anything in our program, uh, from me all the way to our staff and players and support staff, I think this has just kind of lit a fire where uh, we're even more motivated than before, you know, to try to get back. I think we've had a chance to celebrate it with our four seniors and with Jared Culver leaving early for the NBA, but in no way are we satisfied. I mean, not even close. It's... um, (laughs) If anything, it's just kind of motivated us to try to be relevant again next year and 
that starts with our returning players getting better combined with recruiting both what we did in the fall and what we're doing right now. So I'm just looking forward to getting back on the court with the players, you know, in June when summer school started. You know, Chris, I know it's hard to process this part, but you were part of an unbelievable run and a game that I think will go down as one of the greatest, you know, sort of second half overtime, like greatest games that we've seen in a long time in the national championship game. Uh, how much you've been able to appreciate what you were a part of uh, in that run up to the, and then that, in that game itself. Well, I do have great appreciation for it. That's for sure. And it starts with our players, you know, those four seniors that basically eliminated all outside noise all the way up until that Monday night and just believed that we could win. And, um, Combined with our young guys that played great roles, our coaching staff did a great job. So I do have a lot of appreciation for being a part, you know, of what was a special season. And now it's just an exciting time of year, you know, with our seniors graduating, going on to pro basketball. Uh, Jared Culver left Lubbock this morning to pursue his NBA workouts and stuff. So it's an exciting time, but no doubt I will always take great pride in what this year's team was able to accomplish. You've already been on the road recruiting this past weekend. I know you've sort of bounced around, you know, since then, but what's it been like that your name recognition, you know, uh, in the mainstream has changed to where now people know who you are. The brand Texas Tech, the basketball brand has changed. Now everyone knows what Texas Tech is about. How, how even in the last couple of weeks has that changed for you, you think, and this program? Well, I think in a positive way, you know, as we continue to have success, I think in recruiting, we can get in some doors that, Normally, we've tried to, you know, just kind of kick down and maybe come in the back window. Um, even had to come through the chimney a few times. But now, you know, most people are answering the door, at least letting us come in and tell them about Texas Tech and our program. So, but this really started two years ago with Keenan Evans and Zach and Z and those guys, Justin, Tommy, and Naeem, you know, take us to the Elite Eight, uh, the game against Villanova. But um, I think above all, recruiting can benefit from this as long as we can sustain it which I'm 100% confident we can do. In terms of my own life, you know, nothing much changed. You know, you've got three daughters and, you know, nothing much really changes. The girls are more interested when we're going to South Padre Island than, than what's going on with our recruiting. All right, so I've learned my lesson. I'm not going to dismiss Texas Tech and not be on the bandwagon from the start. So uh, I already put Kyler Edwards on my sort of rising star list for next season had a great sort of end of the year. Uh, what do you expect from someone like him and some of the other guys that you know for sure are going to be back? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we like our team coming back. Very similar to last year. Just nobody was asking, so I appreciate you asking. But it starts with our returners, you know, the guys that didn't get much minutes this year in games that worked extremely hard, and we've got a couple guys that are ready to take that next step and be contributors. Um, the guys that did play minutes in our run this year, Morrow, Deshaun, Kyler, um, these guys coming back to Sean Corpru, those are four of the people we were playing in basically an, an eight-man rotation in the month of March. So each of those players has to get better. They understand that, and I understand that. But, you know, it was powerful when we got back on Tuesday after the Monday night national championship game. Those guys were already back in the gym. And uh, per NCAA rules, we had to take 14 days off. But, you know, just hearing the balls bounce down there, you know, gave me the confidence that we could be back sooner than later. But we like our team coming back, and then we've recruited well. Had a really good uh, early signing period with some guys that we think could come in and be impact players. And then we're actively involved in spring recruiting right now, You know, including the grad transfer market that's been so good to us. Yeah, Matt Mooney was phenomenal for you as a grad transfer from Air Force in South Dakota. Internationally, too, I mean, Davidi Moretti, talked to him, uh, I think, a week or so ago. He's coming back from Italy. Uh, how much do you want to balance or sprinkle in 
you know, other foreign players as well on this roster. Yeah, that's who we are. I mean, you know, I grew up being a Cowboy fan. They always said America's team. You know, I think Texas Tech basketball, we're like the world's team. If if people give us a chance, we've got, you know, we'll have uh, France, Italy, uh, I'm trying to think here, Russia, and we're working on another country that I can't comment on right now, but <laughs> we're, we're going to have guys from all over the world. And, um, you know, I like that. I, I said when we got the job, we would go anywhere and anywhere we needed to to get players. It starts in our own backyard with Texas high school talent and led by, you know, Ramsey coming in here next year, the highest ranked recruit in school history. We've got some good things going our way, but my background in junior college, we will never stop recruiting junior college players. Deshaun Corper did a great job this year for us, and it's certainly international, um, you know, with Morrow having a Big 12 all-conference season. So we'll just continue to go anywhere and everywhere we have to to – to put the kind of talent on the floor where we continue to compete in the Big 12. All right, and also, uh, Chris, last uh, season, I think you said that it took maybe two years to get that Duke game that you had in Madison Square Garden. Are you working on anything else, Uh, certainly coming off of a national title game appearance of uh, any other big-time games like that that you want to set up for this group? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know the logistics and making comments, so if somebody slaps me on the wrist, that's fine, but we're in communication uh, with the Jimmy V classic, which would let us play in Madison square garden again. You know, we always want to play in New York, obviously. And the fact that my oldest daughter, Avery goes to Columbia, doesn't hurt. So uh, even if we have to do our closed door scrimmage at Rucker park, we're going to try to get to New York once a year for sure. Our MTE next year takes us to Las Vegas. I believe that the sec big 12 challenge gives us a home game. And then we're going to Chicago to play DePaul, uh, I believe in the um, in the other challenge. So we're going to continue to try to play a national schedule, and um, so appreciative of Coach K playing us last year. In a lot of ways, validated our program, and uh, we look forward to many more games like that in the future. Well, you know, again, where we're trying to stay relative in college basketball. All right, before I let you go, Chris, off season, couple of very quick hitters, off season destination that you would love to take your daughters to. Yeah, my girlfriend Randy and I were talking about that last night. Uh, we've got our go-tos. You know, we're always going to go and float the river in Central Texas. We're always going to try to get down to either South Padre or Port Aransas. But, you know, thinking outside the box, um, my middle daughter wants to go to Greece because Mama Mia is her favorite movie and song. Um, you know, I don't know if we have enough time to get to Greece, so we might do a, a compromise and maybe try to go like uh, – well, this isn't much of a compromise, but maybe De- maybe Destin is what we we're talking about. All right, favorite summer meal? Oh, that's a good one, man. Uh, Luchenbach, Texas, has uh, some of the best, just like old school burgers, you know, flat iron grill. And what I do is I get the queso and I pour it on the burger uh, right there at Luchenbach. What should tech students know about what's happening on campus here uh, in the uh, latter part of the second semester into the uh, into the sort of intercession or what happens once the semester ends? Oh, it's a great college town. You know, we've had a couple of official visits these past few weekends. So here there's all sorts of cool stuff going on. But at the top, I would tell you, our spring sports are special. You know, our baseball team led by Coach Tadlock has been to two out of the last three World Series. I was at the game yesterday, so I think we've got another national championship contender softball is really really good track and field competes for championships so a lot going on in lubbock uh on campus and then off campus you know some of the best musicians come down this time of year weather's perfect so 
sounds like a commercial, but it's true. It's just a great place to be. And if the top is down or the windows are down, what music will you be playing when the weather is hot in Lubbock? Yeah, I'm going to try to get back to some Ryan Bingham uh, this summer. I've kind of haven't been around him in a while, but I'm going to get back to that. I've had too many people text me about his last album. And then every time I hear Down Below by uh, Roddy Rich, and every time I hear uh, Where the Corn Don't Grow by Travis Tritt, it reminds me of our Final Four National Championship game team this year. So even though I'm probably not going to watch that Virginia film for many, many years, it's too painful, I do listen to those songs because it brings back great memories of those seniors. And favorite Fireside Chat guest this past season? Oh, that's a good one. No disrespect to you, Andy. I got you in the top five, but uh, probably Colin Baxter, our student manager, uh, <laughs> who's who's visually impaired, the toughest guy I know, him and his guide dog, Chase. Uh, they came on one day, and Colin's got, like, the best dry sense of humor of anybody I've ever known. But if you go back through the uh, through the retros, I think we're going to release it on iTunes this summer. Um, it's going to be friendly priced for everybody. But the Colin Baxter edition of Fireside Chat is probably my all-time favorite. That's so fun. I'll take a, I'll take a backseat to him. There's no question about that. Although I think I still may hold the record for most appearances. I had four. Yeah, we, we, we shared the most unique fire at all times. You know, yes. We drew it up on that dry race board. That was solid, man. <laughs> So creative. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Chris, and congratulations on your new deal. And I know everyone at Texas Tech is thrilled. All right, Andy. Thank you very much. And up next here on March Madness 365, Eric Musselman, the new head coach at Arkansas. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, new Arkansas head coach, Eric Musselman. Uh, now, Eric, when I look at schools around the country in all the major leagues, I have been essentially almost everywhere literally almost everywhere, except I have never been to Fayetteville, Arkansas. And now you're going to make me come there, aren't you? There is zero doubt we will see you in Fayetteville sometime during the basketball season. we got to have you here, Andy, for sure. So, yes, for whatever reason, it's just not – I've not hit it at some point, but now I know I will be there. All right. <laughs> um, many times – and I've been out to Reno and, you know, we've just done a lot of stuff together. And, you know, we knew that at some point this could happen, but why was this the one that pulled you away from what you had built in Reno? Well, as you know, Andy, from, from being out in Northern Nevada, I mean, we, uh, we loved it there and it was, it was, uh, you know, the, 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 the program, um, you know, was built up from seven division one wins and, and, and we loved it. We weren't really looking, uh, to leave. However, uh, as opportunities came up and some made sense and, and some, some didn't, but this one, uh, felt great. I think that when you look at, there's so many factors, one, um, you know, from a family perspective and, and, and you start digging in and doing research on Fayetteville in the area. Uh, and then, and then you got the on-court stuff. It's always what fits from the family standpoint, what fits, um, as far as the program and the vision and, and then the one thing that, you know, really is so important is, is who you're working for. And, you know, I always thought as an NBA coach that who your general manager was and who the ownership was played a big impact on how successful a coach could be. Certainly in college, uh, who, who your president or chancellor is, as well as as your athletic director and, and administration and how you fit with them with the vision and, and, and relationships. And, and the more that I talked to our, our AD, 
um, Hunter, the, 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 the more excited I became. And then when you look at the program as a whole and you start thinking about fan support, you think about recruiting in your area, what type of players year after year, talent-wise, uh, you can hit within driving distance. Um, you know, there's just so many factors. And then the rich, rich tradition and all the great players that have played here. Arkansas is a really, really, really good job. Um, the resources, the facilities. Uh, I've never been in facilities like like this at all. I mean, the, the facilities that we have are better uh, facilities than what I saw in, in many of the NBA places I was at. So I think there's a lot of a lot of reasons, Andy, that it really felt right for us. So I want to first put a bow on Nevada because what you did there was remarkable in building that program up, and you know the run you guys had a year ago was obviously extremely memorable. Um, and, you know, the way you develop talent and the transfers and everyone just got better when they were there. But uh, this season did not end the way clearly you would project. What, what happened at the end in terms of the end of the Mountain West and then into the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I think that for all of us, you know, that, that, that are at mid-majors, it's really, really hard to get an at-large bid. And we did it two years in a row. So, you know, the year before we lost in the Mountain West tournament, but we had done our job in non-conference and we had the intent to schedule the right way both the last two years. And I think when you, you know, when you, when you look at great programs, you look at a Gonzaga and they don't win their uh, tournament this year and we don't win the Mountain West tournament the year before we didn't win that it's just really hard and you there's a million examples of you know Loyola that had some experience back this year for making a final four they don't win uh, their postseason Missouri Valley tournament it's just hard you know and and there's so many factors into it um and then we go and, and we play Florida uh, and we, we we aren't playing like we're capable of we felt uh, and then we made a run just like we did the year before against Texas and Cincinnati. And, and we cut the thing being down 17 or 18. We cut it to one. Um, but we just weren't playing really well. And a, a little of it uh, has to do with injury. You know, Jordan Caroline did not play in the Mountain West second game in the tournament uh, due to an Achilles strain. And look, the Achilles thing for Nevada and for our internal family, Lindsey Drew had a torn Achilles uh, the, a year and a half before that. And Lindsay felt his Achilles was bothering him leading up to that Boise game for about a two week period. So uh, we were not going to have Jordan play in a game um, when he felt his Achilles had been bothering him for, a, for, a, for a stretch prior to that, knowing that it was a back to back game. Um, and so then we, yeah, we, you know, we didn't play good against Florida. I thought that, uh, the Gators did an incredible job slowing the game down, uh, and we didn't speed the game up and play at our pace until the last 12 minutes of the game. So, uh, and it, look, there was a lot of expectation. You're talking about a mid-major team that was ranked as high as five and ranked the entire season, um, and we played with that weight. And I thought, for the most part, the guys did an incredible job with all the pressure that they had coming off a of Sweet 16. But we came up short against Florida, and you lose that basketball game, and it stings. And we certainly felt like we had enough talent and enough character uh, that we could have won uh, several games. But 
it happens. It happened to Virginia the year before. Um, and that tournament, number one, is so hard to get into. And then it's really hard to advance as well. So this Arkansas program under Mike Anderson, you know, they've always been or had been either in the tournament or hovering or bubble and all that, right in that sort of that mid-range uh, for the most part in the SEC, which has improved dramatically over the last couple of years. When you look at this roster at this juncture, what do you see in terms of the immediate uh, future as to what this team could look like when you take the, the court for the first time at Bud Walton this fall? Well, I think that, you know, the first thing, Andy, is Coach Anderson did a, did an incredibly great job here. I mean, they the, his team's always played hard. They have a national reputation of, of, of really getting after it. But we have uh, some a lot of pieces that are back. They were a really, really young team, a lot of freshmen and sophomores. And so we do have guys that gained experience, and you hope younger players make a big leap. Um, you know, Jalen Harris at the point guard will be going into his junior year. Isaiah Joe uh, is a, an incredible shooter. He's a next-level scorer. Uh, will be going into his sophomore year. Desi Sills going into his sophomore year. Uh, those guys we have in the backcourt. Then Mason Jones can play the two or the three and is a guy that can really score the ball. He'll be going to, into his junior year. And then we got a, a, a group of guys uh, that are similar to our Nevada guys, guys that can play multiple positions, Adriel Bailey's going into his senior year and uh, Reggie Shaney is sophomore will be a sophomore and, and Gabe is a junior. So we have these guys that, that are going to have to kind of play the three, the four. And when we go small are going to have to play the five. And right now, Andy, we do not have a five man and we might not, we might not be able to have a five man. So we might have to do what we did at Nevada for three years uh, which is play guys that are small forwards or power forwards, play them at that five spot because what we don't want to do is we, we, we want to try to avoid making a recruiting mistake and just filling a hole. Um, and, and, and then that, that scholarship, you know, you're kind of stuck with, with, with a piece that might not fit long-term. So we got some, we got some work to still do on the roster, but we do have some guys that we're really, really excited about as well. Yeah, Daniel Gafford obviously was that dominant double-double type player. He's declared for the draft and is going to stay in the draft. Uh, you know, this is going to be a little different in terms of not that you can't have transfers and JC guys and, st- and so on, because you're just going to have more resources. You're going to have more talent in your area. How, how much do you think you're going to adjust your recruiting? And you were out for the first time this past weekend where you know you can, you know, you just have a wider net. You have a bigger pool that you may not have to go that other route uh, that you had to in Reno. Yeah, I, I think Andy that for sure that 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 statement is more than true. Uh, you know, we really didn't have any JC guys at at Nevada. We really only had one guy in four years. But the transfers obviously was a huge part. Um, not really grad transfers either. We only we only had two grad transfers in four years. But we had a a lot of guys that sat out that we were able to work with and build. Most of them were power five transfers. And I think that that's still going to be a big part of, of, of any program. Um, you look at even Kansas is heavily involved now in transfers, but uh, you're right. There's got to be an adjustment as far as uh, younger high school players, because when you're at a place uh, like Arkansas, you have the ability to recruit four and five star players. And we want to aggressively uh, do that. 
and, and we, you know, at Nevada, we did have some good young players. When you think of Pac-12 commits like Lindsey Drew and Cameron Oliver, uh, and then you look at last year with Jordan Brown, it was a five-star McDonald's All-American. I mean, in four years, we had uh, three really incredibly young pieces uh, that had a ton of talent uh, in just a four-year time span. So we're, we're going to put the time in because obviously when you recruit uh, high, high-level high school players, uh, there needs to be an incredible amount of time commitment uh, from the head coach as well as your entire assistant coaches. And, and, and we need to do that and we will do that because that's, that's, that's how you got to compete at a high level in a conference like this. Eric, the other thing is scheduling. I mean, you had to be aggressive. Um, not everyone would play you and, uh, you know, it's hard to get into tournaments or home and homes and so on. You know, at a place like Arkansas, you've got some that are built in like the SEC big 12 challenge. Uh, you've got some rivalries. Uh, how much are you going to try to be, conti- or at least try to continue that aggressive nature in the scheduling, even though once again, that will also be a little easier because of the name and the brand. I, you know, I think that's really true, Andy. Like when you think about, you know, the, the, when you play in these conferences and having spent time at Arizona state, having spent time at LSU, you know, you gotta, you gotta try to win as many games as you can in non-conference, but you still want to challenge yourself because, you know, when you really study that tournament, there's just an enormous amount of power five. It's the argument, you know, a, a program that is middle of the road record wise in really, really tough conferences against those mid majors uh, like in Nevada, who gets in. And I think it can it can be one non-conference game. Uh, can turn the needle one way or the other uh, to get you into the NCAA tournament. So uh, we want to still spend a ton of time studying uh, what can get us in the tournament if it's not an automatic bid. And I think you've got to have that mentality because that's something that you control is the non-conference. And we we don't have a lot of flexibility uh, this year as as schedules are kind of made out in advance, but. Uh, certainly going forward, I think we want to continue with a lot of the same thought processes where we really, really challenge our team uh, non-conference as well. Your daughter, of course, uh, is absolutely adorable, and she captivated everyone two years ago in the tournament. Uh, <laughs> how much has she already ad- adapted to Pig Suey and everything Arkansas that she's going to have to obviously uh, make sure that she's locked in on because you know she's going to want the camera near her uh, at games. Well, Andy, there's no doubt. She's still in school in Northern Nevada, but when she gets here in about eight weeks, um, she will be ready. Uh, Almost, I would say almost every night when we FaceTime, uh, you know, she she wants to call the hogs. And um, so she is ready uh, to get here. She's really, really excited. Um, And like I said, she's been practicing that hog call a lot. Uh, back home, but but uh, yeah, the whole family's excited. My wife's excited. My two sons are excited, um, and I can't wait to get them here so that we can continue to get out in the community like we did, um, you know, in in northern Nevada. And Eric, finally, what did it feel like though to be on the road this past weekend and have that Arkansas lo- logo on your chest? I mean, it felt awesome. You know, there's there's obviously, uh, you know, there's there's a the the brand carries weight. Um, and we recognize that, you know, when you, whether you go into a restaurant, um, whether you're in a gym, 
Um, obviously the name brand carries so much weight and, um, you know, it's, it's important in recruiting, uh, that there's recognition right away and certainly feel like, you know, with, with the younger players that, that they understand who Arkansas is. And now it's our job to try to get out, not only get people who recognize it, but get them overly excited about it as well. All right. I'm going to have to cross this off my list at some point soon. I'm going to have to come to Fayetteville. Andy, we got to get you here. At least let's try to do let's even try to get you here within the first 10 games of conference play um, or non-conference, because the quicker we get you here, the more excited you'll be about Fayetteville and what's going on here. All right, done. We'll get it done. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds awesome. All right. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Andy. Appreciate it. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. We deeply appreciate you continuing to download our podcast throughout the course of the year now into the off season we've got this period right now where guys have declared that deadline has passed now we've got to wait to see who gets into the combine go through the combine a couple of workouts and then we'll see who returns and then we'll really know the rosters for next season a lot of games are being scheduled matchups challenges and things of that nature we're gonna have another power 36 for you once we get through that deadline of guys deciding to return to college so we have a little idea of who's coming back and who isn't so still so much content coming to you through our march madness media uh, social media outlets whether it's through twitter facebook or on the site at ncaa.com you can get all our coverage throughout the course of the year i'm andy katz thanks for listening